Welcome to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. I hope you're all doing okay out there. I know this is a really crazy time. Lots of changes, lots of energetic shifts. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but I've been doing uh, daily tarot, little reels, readings for the collective, and uh, there's just a a lot of stuff happening. So I hope you're moving smoothly through all of the changes occurring and that you're okay. Um, today's episode, we have John. He is uh, John, the Keto Road John on Instagram, I believe, and he is all about keto and healing the gut and mental health, and we talk about body dysmorphia. We talk about healing through foods. Um, we talk about healing autoimmune issues and hormonal issues. It was really awesome having him on the podcast because he knows a lot about the the brain mechanisms when it comes to body dysmorphia and the connection that it has between the gut and the brain. And he also has a lot of experience working with people with eating disorders and trying to help them reach their physical goals, mental goals health goals, whatever that means, and he does have so much knowledge about how to, you know, change behaviors and habits so that we are able to attain those physical or mental, emotional goals in our lives. So I hope that you enjoy this episode today. Um, He really brought a lot to the table as far as just the neurological aspect of what happens to people when they are in an eating disorder or restriction or overeating and the way that he conceptualizes it all is really refreshing Um, and he's a very positive dude and it was just really nice to get a perspective about body dysmorphia when it comes to you know the brain and the chemicals in the brain that are released and you know what is actually going on internally and biologically when we have these things going on so I think you're really going to enjoy this episode you can find his information in the show notes and let's just get right into it cool so I'm here with John I'm super excited that you're on the podcast today because we're going to talk about some of my favorite things to talk about, which is um, eating disorder recovery, body image, and you are all about the keto lifestyle, which I love. Um, and I have to ask, do since you know your your work is eating disorder specialist, body image, um, 
along with the keto stuff, did you ever struggle with an eating disorder yourself? Because I know a lot of specialists who get into certain types of fields, they do it because they've gone through the same thing. Absolutely. I've had bulimia for going on 11 years now, and I've been in active recovery, which means I haven't relapsed in three and a half. So yeah, definitely, definitely have one of those. Yeah. How did, um, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did your bulimia manifest? Like, was it working out? Was it, how did it, how did it develop and how did it manifest in your life? It's a fantastic question. So my weight loss and health journey and all that started when I was about 14. Um, I was an emotional eater. I picked it up from my mom. My mom was my, you know, rock and die hard. Uh, and I picked up on a lot of her habits, really good ones and some not so good. Uh, and emotional eating became a big thing in my life at a young age. Uh, when I was 14, I was 259 pounds was the heaviest I got. I was freshman in high school. Um, and my doctor told me some really, you know, I think sometimes it's important to be, you know, aware of how children and teenagers are like wrestling with how they feel about themselves and society and stuff. But I think sometimes blunt talk is good. And so my doctor gave me a really blunt talk and was like, Hey, like if you were older, I would tell you you're killing yourself and you need to get on medication. And that was a real gut check that I needed. It became real at that point. It wasn't a joke anymore. And so I started losing weight. And when I was losing the weight, you know, I lost about, I got down to about 175. So I lost almost a hundred pounds, um, within about a year. And, you know, unfortunately society, uh, is really bad about picking on the fat person and not picking on the not fat person. Um, and so I went from an outcast to, you know, widely accepted, right. I started getting girlfriends and, you know, life started to make me happy as a teenager boy. And, um, I didn't want to let that go. And I became very attached to other people's acceptance of me, not my own. Um, and so I was willing to, do things to maintain what I thought allowed me to have that acceptance. And I thought that my weight and my image allowed me to have that acceptance. And so I was extremely fearful of weight gain. Um, I call it fat phobia. It's it's just a fear of getting fat. Um, And that fat phobia uh, led to the physical manifestation of bulimia because I was willing to hurt myself to maintain something that I felt like I needed to feel like I had acceptance in society. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And the reason I asked that question is because a lot of people with eating disorders, sometimes it doesn't start because of the weight. Um, Like for me, for example, my eating disorder developed when I was in high school. And I think it developed mainly because of like what was going on in my family. And it was like family Mm. trauma and like weird dynamics and stuff. And that's what made me want to basically just not eat. Um, but now, you know, I'm an adult and my eating disorder evolved into different shapes, different masks and like different kinds of eating disorders. And now, um, I'm in active recovery as well, but there is still a fear of weight gain. And, um, that's, that's a tough place to be when you're trying to recover from an eating disorder, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you, um, your client base, are they mostly people who have eating disorders or at least some kind of body image issue? So that's actually a tricky question. So I would say that 80% of my clients that come to me struggle with some kind of disordered eating habits or body image issues. 
they don't know how to establish a place of what I call maintenance, you know, just being okay with themselves at a healthy, stable weight. They either have to be extreme and get super lean or they throw in the towel and they just gain, you know, the, the, the constant yo-yo dieting and all that. They don't know how to just be a healthy version of themselves and be okay and love that person. And so a lot of it's helping them lose weight the right way, but also work on the mental tool, you know, give them the mental tools to actually create a long-term lifestyle change. Um, and then the other 20%, because I am I, clinically speaking, and with my certifications that I have, I'm a metabolic specialist. So like I specialize in like helping people fix their metabolisms, which goes hand in hand with disordered eating because most people that have disordered eating habits don't have very healthy metabolisms. So they yeah. kind of uh, grow off each other. But something I've noticed is most people that come to me, like, I mean, I don't, I can't, I think of very few that have come to me that don't have some kind of disordered eating habit. I think, I think our culture has a lot of things that it's allowed and are accepted via movie or culture or cinema or whatever uh, that have encouraged this odd relationship we have with our food nowadays mm -hmm. in society. Um, and I, so I, even people that don't have like outright eating disorders tend to have a lot of tendencies that we have to talk about, discuss and mature and how we perceive those tendencies and how to go about navigating them in life and establishing a healthier lifestyle and, and baseline. Yeah. And I think some people don't even realize that some of the things they do are disordered, but there is a difference between having a full-blown eating disorder and mm -hmm. having just disordered ways of eating. Because usually the people who have mm -hmm. disordered ways of eating they don't they, they don't have an eating disorder, so they don't even think it's a problem. But when it does trickle into your life and it starts to affect your relationships and just like your quality of life, I feel like that's a good sign um, that there is something going on. And you said something like um, that really resonated with me is like, so you help your clients, you know, with the mental aspect of the eating disorder and, you know, body image, but also the physical, like losing weight in a healthy way. But so I go to a lot of eating disorder recovery meetings and this is kind of mm -hmm. like a source subject in a lot of those groups because sometimes it can be very black and white um, with when it comes to, okay, well, I want to still be in shape and I want to have fitness in my life and I want to be healthy and I want to recover from my eating disorder. A lot of people will say, well, those, those things can't coexist. So I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that. So I would say for one, uh, well, hey, let me preface before I say this, that um, I fortunately, um, I understand that uh, I uh, am in a great, I'm grateful that I didn't have to go to like a rehab or to a food addiction group to get over what was a pretty traumatic thing. For some reason, I get, I don't know, it's my personality or, you know, the, you know, the God I believe in, but somehow I was able to figure it out relatively on my own with a little bit of support from my parents and then my wife. Um, so I don't know what goes on in those rooms and I'm not going to sit there and try to tell somebody that's in those rooms how to live and how to navigate this. I think I would have to know them more one-on-one. -on -one, mm -hmm. So I just wanted to preface that. Uh, that being said, in my opinion, I think that the idea of those two not coinciding is complete. Yeah, bullcrap. Um, it's complete bullcrap. Uh, I think, and, and that's one of my biggest problems and I'm not going to go on a tangent about this. But one of my biggest problems with the body positivity movement right now is that it's gone from loving your body enough to treat it right to loving your body is really just letting it do whatever it wants, regardless of whether it hurts yeah. you or not. And that's not okay. And I think that we've really twisted and toxified what it means to have self-love. And so I always tell people, 
the 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 thing when it comes to really overcoming an eating disorder because I think there's a couple and we can go down a lot of tangents yeah. <laughs> here. I think for the first thing is there's no such thing as getting fully over. I think that's one of the things that people have to change if they really want to find food freedom is accepting that for most people, they're never going to not have an eating disorder. Like there's a reason I say I'm an active recovery. I haven't relapsed in almost four years, but I will never tell myself that I don't have bulimia anymore mm-hmm. because there's a chance that subconsciously my boundaries and my walls could come down. And given the right circumstance and situation, I could relapse the reason why I don't relapse is not because I don't have it anymore, but because I constantly reinforce the boundaries I've put in place over time to make sure that I don't put myself in a position to want to act out those actions anymore, yeah. right? That voice has just gotten really small. So I think that when we're able to accept, okay, instead of trying to face this from a place of, I don't want this to exist in my life anymore, going, this is going to be here. I need to know how to best navigate it and just deal with the fact that it's going to be something in my life and I have to be okay with that. Um I think that gives us a much better step towards freedom. After that point, it's, well, then how does this happen? And I think where a lot of people get it wrong is they try to change the internal desire of the person with external choices, right? So like going to the gym, eating well, going to a group, all those things are great. They're great actions, but they don't change the heart, right? They don't change the heart. However, if you're able to change the heart, it most definitely Will produce outward action, mm-hmm. right? If it's I'm going to a group to learn my love myself versus I'm telling myself I love myself and I'm going to make that word an action by making myself go to a group because I love myself enough to go. Those are very, those are two very different dialogues. Right. And one can lead to real change because you're changing who you're you're changing your identity. Changes that don't impact identity don't last long. And you have to be willing to impact your identity. And I think that that was one thing that I was able to do really early in my recovery, which is why I've been able to go so long without relapsing because early on I was like, I need to figure out what's really wrong. I need to dig really deep. I need to uproot this tree from the ground and replant because trying to trim these branches back is not stopping this bad fruit from producing, right? Like I have to uproot this tree and replace it with a good one because it's just not working. And I think that if a lot of people could fix, like figure that out, they would be well on their way to a more free relationship and healthy relationship with food. And so going back to the weight loss and and those two coinciding, it's all about perspective, right? Are you doing those things because you think that once you get to a certain weight, you're going to magically not have this food addiction anymore? Or is it, I have this addiction because I don't feel like I can control my environment or, you know, what's going on around with other people that I love or have emotional ties to. Is it because I don't like who I am, whatever, Okay, great. What's the why? Okay, now how? Now what's that lie? And then what's the truth that's really there? Oh, the real truth is, is that, you know, I have worth. I have worth. I have value. And the reality is, is that I could never, even now, no matter how bad I want to, the only thing I'm ever going to be able to control in life is my response. And I might as well make the choice that puts me in the best position to be my best self. Boom. Now we have the truth that needs to be told. Okay, now that you've really unveiled the identity that you know you should have, now, what are the actions that can help create that and make that a reality in your life? And I think when we're able to have that kind of dialogue, that's when facing an eating disorder actually will turn into being healthy, working out, staying fit, because you're not coming at those things from, I want this to produce internal change. It's this internal change that I've been working on and chasing is producing these outward desires and they're creating the body. I always tell people, when you find self-love, your body will naturally create the body that you should be living in. 
As many of you guys know, I've been openly sharing my healing journey with PCOS and hypothalamic amenorrhea and hormonal imbalance. That's why I'm super excited to be partnering up with Ovacetol. Thousands of women swear by Ovacetol and it's for a good reason. Ovacetol is a highly researched blend of inositols and it's by Therologics. It's designed to promote healthy hormonal health and support regular menstrual cycles, ovarian health, and fertility. I have been using Ovacetol. It's a powder that you put in juice or water. It doesn't taste like anything, and you take it twice a day, and it is supposed to help regulate my cycles, hopefully bring back my menstrual cycle, and just help with hormonal imbalance in general, especially with folks who are struggling with PCOS. Your estrogen could be tanked, your testosterone could be skyrocketed, and it's really hard to get through day-to-day chores and just function with those hormonal levels being so crazy and out of whack. Ovacetol is gluten-free, vegan, and it's the only independently tested and certified inositol supplement available. Did you know that Theralogics offers several other evidence-based, independently certified nutritional supplements for women's health? They have so many supplements on their website. It's really awesome. And this company is high-grade supplements. I made a choice last year that I'm only going to start taking really high-grade, potent, tested supplements instead of all the junk that I was buying from like Amazon and Walmart. So that is one of my goals this year is to really stay taking high quality vitamins and supplements. I am trying a few supplements from the Theralogic site. I'm doing an Omega. I have a CBD supplement. I'm doing a women's multivitamin that helps with menstrual cramps and PMS and it has iron in it. So there's supplements for literally everyone on this website. It's amazing. Um, So whether you are aiming for a healthier lifestyle or you're ready to start a family, Theralogics has a wide range of products for you. So go to Theralogics.com, that's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com, and you can use the provider referral code 233136 at checkout, and that will save you up to 20% off of your purchase on Ovacetol or any other supplements on the website that support your overall health. So go ahead to Theralogics.com, and you, you can use the provider code 233136 at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. I love that. Yeah. And also, like, doing less is sometimes more, especially, um, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're going at it, if, it, like you just said, if you're working out and trying to eat healthy, all to lose weight or feel better in your body. It's such a, um, a physical kind of thing you're looking for. Um, and it's like, I've, I've had to really notice this in my own like healing is that I have PCOS and I can't do like all these crazy workouts. I have to really be careful with cardio. Um, and I've noticed like when I do less, my body feels 
better. I have like less inflammation mm-hmm. and I feel better about my body. Like mentally, it's not like this, this loudness and this like rage, you know, that can come with a lot of like, um, just over, over emphasizing and over exercising. Um, but I had a question, um, about, you said something about like you're, you work with people that have obviously metabolic dysfunction or eating disorders can, can obviously create those issues. Um, I have hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. So, mm-hmm. and I think that my eating disorder for many years, that was the trigger. Um, did your eating disorder manifest in any health issues like that? And also the next question would be, how do you start to help somebody with like a really slow metabolism or just like metabolic dysfunction? What are your like first steps? Great questions. First one, absolutely. So it actually developed what's called hypogonadism, hypogonadism in me. So what that means is basically, you know, and to be blunt medical terms, my testicles weren't producing testosterone. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I had none, I had zilch. I think uh, a male's total testosterone is supposed to be from 400 to a thousand and mine was like 190. Um, and then my, t- my free testosterone, which is what's not binded to things, not to get too into uh, physiology, physiology and all that, um, was supposed to be between, I think it was 30 or, or 40 and like 200 and it was like 18. Um, so I just was not producing testosterone. Um, and so absolutely, absolutely. And, and on that, it took me a long time to fix that. Um, I look back over my journey the past four years on keto and, you know, getting my education and figuring out, you know, my specialty, my practice of metabolic health and all that. And, um, it took me years. It took me years of like, I'm very, I'm very confident and I like the body that I'm in now, but it's taken me four years. Like you know, I've recently been in the conditioning and the performance of the running and everything because I, I run ultra marathons mm-hmm. and everything that I do now has been four years of work, right? It's not like I magically got this. And the beauty of it is, is that I love myself before I had this, right? Like I was okay with myself 10 pounds ago, right? Like I was, I was fine right. with him. I liked him. He did awesome stuff, yeah. right? Um, and so again, I think that over time, self-love manifests the body that you're supposed to have if it's the right kind of self-love, you know, an actual healthy version. Um, so I just wanted to preface that like it took time to fix those issues, but I definitely had metabolic issues. How are you uh, feeling? So of, when you had that testosterone imbalance, what were your symptoms? Like how, you must have felt like shit. Oh yeah. So like, you know, I didn't gain muscle very well. Um I always been red, relatively strong because I, when I was younger, I was carrying around 300 pounds, you know, so like I've always been relatively strong, but I wasn't, I didn't really gain muscle. I didn't really have that like fit man look. Getting lean was incredibly hard. Like losing weight was impossible. Cause at the end of the day, like women, like even in women, like testosterone is that, Hey, I want to mate, right. you know? So like when it's low, your body's like, well, uh, you know, I guess you're not going to look like you need to reproduce, you know, like that's, and that's just like primal biology talk, yeah. you know? And, and so I, I didn't have that. It was really hard to get lean. It was hard to gain muscle. It was hard to look, you know, masculine. Um, and I, depression for sure. Like definitely like, and not like suicidal, hardcore depression, but more of just like, I just wasn't happy with life. I wasn't confident in myself. Um, uh, obviously low libido, uh, things like that. 
yeah, so it, all in all, it wasn't bad. But I had ha- I'd had that. I don't know because I got my blood labs pulled for my testosterone. That was the first time I'd done it in like five years. I don't know how long I had yeah. that issue. Yeah. So like at that point, it was kind of normal. I didn't notice how bad I felt until I started to feel better. And I looked back and I was like, oh, look at all this stuff I can do now. Whoa. You know? Um, so yeah, it, it definitely wasn't the best. And fixing it, fixing it was fun. And we can definitely get into the details. Yeah. Of that if you yeah. Want I to. love geeking out on hormonal stuff. Okay. Okay. So I, so obviously my first thought was TRT and I was like, I'm going to start injecting myself. With, I'm going to just become a professional bodybuilder. I'm going balls to the walls. It's going to get crazy. Um, but I didn't want to do that because at that point I had really found a passion for like whole foods and naturalistic, holistic health way of doing things. And so I started doing a lot of study. I did so much research on like adaptogens and mushrooms and, you know, meats and nutrients and all that. So what I ended up doing was I ended up getting a blend, certain milligram clinical dosages based off these studies of like stinging nettle, cordyceps, reishi, ashwagandha. Like I know, I still know all the milligrams of all of them. Uh, and I made this like cocktail that reminded me of college. It was terrible. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, I would drink that every morning. And then I like removed almost all green vegetation out of my diet. And I upped my red meat tremendously. Reason is, is because saturated fat is the precursor to cholesterol, which is the precursor to sex hormones. So I got, I started getting a lot more calories of my diet from animal foods. Um, and I took that adaptogen shot. Um, and then I started lifting heavy, right? Um, 90 days later, my testosterone was 793. So I went from 190 to 793. Wow. Uh, and then my free testosterone went from 19 to 130. And you were, and this is three so, months of consistency of taking the herbs mm-hmm. of, yeah. And that's interesting because what you just said, a lot of those herbs are also recommended to women who have PCOS mm-hmm. um, because I guess, I guess, you know, once you take an herb, it's going to do its thing regardless if you're a man or a woman, but um, like for women who with, with PCOS, we're um, testosterone dominant. So we're very mm-hmm. low estrogen and it's really crazy because I've been noticing the, the mood, the moods and like how unsettling it can feel to have PCOS because on one hand, I kind of feel like a woman who's going through menopause cause it's like the low estrogen symptoms. But then on the other hand, since I am testosterone dominant and DHEA um, is high, I can feel like an angry teenage boy who's like going through puberty. So it's like these polar Mm. opposites, but um, yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about what you, what you do for clients with hormonal imbalance, keto for hormonal imbalance um, and then the metabolism too. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say this cause like my mind's going on it now. Uh, But the adaptogens, a lot of people think that like when you take an adaptogen for like, hormones that like if i take ashwagandha people think oh the ashwagandha is telling my sex organs to produce my sex hormones no that's not how it works they they clear the neurological pathway so that your hypothalamus and pituitary can communicate better with your sex organs and produce proper function that's why that's why ashwagandha reacts different in women than in men because it doesn't increase testosterone it increases the communication pathways and clears them out and makes them more efficient so that they communicate. Yeah, properly, that makes sense. Which creates different results in both women and men. Um, so that's just a fun little, and I like to write on that. Uh, 
As far as the hormones, so yeah, so with most clients, there's two things that we're going to do at first, especially like if I'm dealing with somebody that has those issues because of disordered eating, most of them come to me not eating a lot of food. I, I do have some binge eating disorder clients and that's another story. But the first thing I do with any of them, whether they're binge eating, you know, anorexia, any, any kind of eating disorder is we focus on whole foods first. I, if they're, if they're okay with keto, we go keto. If they're not ready for that yet, then we just go, okay, listen, I'm going to give you a food list of whole foods. I just want you to eat off this list, right? We're going to focus on low inflammatory. You're going to eat animal meats. You're going to eat healthy fats. We're going to eliminate seed oils. We're going to eliminate grains from your diet. Those are the two things that are big no-nos and refined sugar. Those three things, no-nos. Everything else, I just want you to send me a photo of what you're eating. We're going to start a low level of accountability. We're going to start a little bit of, I'm putting my body first by putting these good foods in my body. First thing we do, because the bottom line is, is that, you know, we are what we absorb. We are what we eat and your sex hormones are made up of what you digest and absorb. And so we have to get the quality of the food good. You know, I could increase your calories all day, but if it's Twinkies, then you're really not going to get as much of a good outcome yeah. or, a, you know, the outcome that you want. And so quality is first overall. Once we got that figured out, um, if it's a binge eating disorder client, then we put in some accountability. We put in some mm -hmm. mindset work. I do life action plans for my clients. Um, and basically it's like, listen, like you're going to, you know, daily affirmations are a thing I love to do with clients. Like they have to send me something they like about them, not, not other people, not their life, them. And I don't care if it's a bad day and, and I keep records too. So they like repeat themselves. I'm like, no, I need <laughs> another one. That's not good. That's I, not good. I, like, that. I make them. I make them find something. I think it's important. It, and people are like, it's so hard today. And I'm like, it's really important on the days it's hard. Those are the, those are the days that it's really important to go, you know what? I'm still going to find something that I like about me. Um, so I always do that life action plan. And then we start, if they're trying to lose weight, then I help them, you know, either we'll do macros or we'll do intuitive eating. That's a whole thing. Cause like some people do really well with intuitive eating. Some people like myself tracking is so important for me to feel like I have control over mm -hmm. my diet. Um, and so, you know, we figure out what works best for them. And then we put a plan in place for someone that is under eating. We do what's called a reverse diet. It's really easy for a coach because they want somebody to get healthy and they've never, like, especially coaches, you can tell when a coach hasn't worked with someone that has an eating disorder because they're like, Oh, you're eating 1200 calories. Okay. Well you need to start eating 2000 tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're going to lose that client. You're going to yeah. wreck them. There's no way that's yeah. going to work. So what we do is called a reverse diet where let's say, you know, um, I'm working with somebody for a week and we're doing high quality foods and I'll go, okay, listen, I want you to download this tracker, my fitness pal, whatever. I just want you to like, you can use measuring cups. You don't have to do a scale. You don't have to go all bodybuilder mm -hmm. on me. I just want you to slightly track what you're doing. And I want you to send me a screenshot and don't change what you're eating. I just want to see what you're eating. There's no right or wrong here. They'll send it to me. And then what I do is I start their diet plan off of that amount. And then what we do is we slowly increase by about 50 to 100 calories a week, okay. right? And what that does is it slowly gives them more food, which gives them time mentally to grasp what's happening. It gives their body time to upregulate hormones and energy and all that good stuff, um, while also minimizing weight gain. Because I think something that people also do a bad job of is prefacing, hey, if you haven't eaten your the right amount of calories for three years, you're going to put on some body fat you are not going to magically melt, right. right? Like, and it might take six, seven months. That's the thing is, so I had, I, let's see, I'm, I weigh 187 ish now. Uh, but I was over 200 pounds for, you know, almost two years. 
I had some dieting moments in there and the diet lasted like three months, but then I would just gain all the way. I would go back, back over 200 within, you know, a month. My body just wasn't ready to let it go. I had to give my body time to balance out. Even with the testosterone fixed, my body was still like, listen, we're not going to do this right now. Like I, I need you to like, just mm-hmm. chill um, and let my hormones and all that really balance out. And so we're just prefacing with them. Hey, listen, like if you've been like, you know, not eating for four, three, four or five years, this is going to take time. You have to be willing to invest in yourself, you know, trust me, invest with me and let's walk this journey together. Uh, and it can be really hard. There's some really hard, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, walk, walk around it. it yeah. It's hard. There's hard moments, you know, and you want the scale to go down and it goes up like half a pound and you're like, ah, oh, you know, this is such a bad idea. Um, but it's just like, reaffirm that's why it's good to have a coach right it's reaffirming and holding their hand and going listen like i've been where you're at the grass really is greener where you water it and right now you're watering those seeds you got to give them time in the sun that takes time um and so basically i just slowly increase their calories until we get them up to a maintenance amount whatever that might be uh most women it's going to be anywhere between 1600 to 2400 calories um i the 1600 calories is like outliers very petite women yeah. you know five like foot 110 <laughs> yeah yeah you know five foot five four 110 pounds yeah. you know doesn't work out a bunch that, that makes sense like 16 1800 makes sense uh but most women that are extreme like really active or something again that range about 1600 to 2400 once we get to that maintenance we'll hold it for a while um usually we'll hold it for quite a quite a bit you know three four five six seven eight months and then when they really feel at the top of their game we might do a slight slight diet and see if we can get some of the excess weight that they don't want on off. Um, and some women, they, they never, you know, they get really happy with themselves and they're actually at a healthy weight and they're like, okay, great. Because I think that's another thing is like, we have a really twisted perspective of what healthy is. Yeah. You know, and so some, some females that I've worked with um, and even men, you know, they're at a really healthy weight and it's trying to get them to understand, look, you don't need to look like Megan Fox. <laughs> She is, I don't know what she's doing. You have no idea what she does. They have millions of dollars too. Yeah, you have no idea what's going on, right? Like you have to understand that like an Instagram model that you're like, I want to look like her, bro, that is perfect lighting. That is the perfect outfit. These people might not be natural. They're genetically gifted. They work their butts off and they didn't have an eating disorder for five years. Like there's so many things like you need to find what's healthy for you and what like, what do you want to do with your life? You want to run around with your kids and feel comfortable in your clothes? Great. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You guys already know how obsessed I am with therapy. I talk about it all the time on this podcast about how I have two therapists and how I go to therapy every single week. Well, I've been going to therapy for years, but once 2020 hit, the year of chaos for all of us, I really needed extra support, and BetterHelp has really been there to guide me through these chaotic times. Uh, I've been dealing with anxiety, depression, and I also have been in this recovery space for disordered eating and just a host of other issues. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and, and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. 
you can start communicating in under 48 hours. So all you have to do is you take a, a quick online quiz, you answer some questions about what you're going through, what kind of therapist you're looking for, and you can literally write in the answers, I am looking for this kind of therapist. I am looking for an expert in this field. That's what I did, and they matched me with a therapist who has tons of experience with eating disorders, trauma, and depression. And to be honest, I love my therapist so much. She's probably my favorite therapist I've ever had. And I've been through like a variety of therapists over the years. Me and her really hit it off. And even if you don't hit it off with your therapist right away, because let's be real, finding a therapist can honestly feel like you're dating. Don't worry, you can always change therapists as many times as you need. No questions asked, no charge or anything like that. So you can always change your therapist and then get matched with a new one that day. So BetterHelp uh, is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is literally professional counseling done securely online. And what I love about BetterHelp is that they have a journal feature. So if you're going through something challenging through the week and you don't have an appointment until, let's say, next week, you can write a journal entry. It's all online. It's secure. And if you'd like, you can share that journal entry with your therapist so that they are on the same page. They're caught up. They know exactly what you're going through. They know whatever triggers you've been dealing with over the week. Week. And what's awesome about BetterHelp, too, is that your therapist will respond. So you can actually communicate with your therapist in between your, your sessions. So it's not like you only get, get to talk to your therapist once a week. You can check in with them frequently in between your sessions. You can catch them up to date. You can kind of communicate with them every day if you wanted to. And the online journal feature is really nice for folks who are new to journaling or just need that extra support. So communicating with your therapist more frequently could really benefit you if you're going through a rough time. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available if you are struggling right now. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe. And you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve the support. You deserve the healing. And you are not alone. There are so many people who are struggling with severe anxiety, depression, trauma, all of these things, and you don't need to suffer in silence anymore. So visit betterhelp.com slash vibe for a discount on your first month of online therapy. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe. And that discount code will get you 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. Get in some really nice clothes, get to a comfortable, healthy weight and run around with your kids. Be happy. Um, and that's a conversation that that's not had enough either, yeah. but yeah. So it's just helping them find that as well. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you just said that really 
got a lot of things going in my brain. Um, when it comes to working with someone, let's say they have a history of an eating disorder and they just have like a little bit of weight to lose, but obviously their metabolism is kind of screwed up. Um, and maybe they have some autoimmune stuff, you know, like that manifested over the years. So for keto, um, how how does keto help the hormones for for women? Um, and and one thing you did say too is like, oh, the scale's going up, the scale's going down. I think women forget like, even if you aren't getting a cycle, like even if you aren't getting a period, you your hormones are still going up and down like each week, and that causes water retention. I, I just had um, mm-hmm. I interviewed Lyle McC- Lyle Mc- um, McDonald uh, mm. last month, and he's like all about this. Um, so yeah, like, I'd love to know how keto, how do you decipher if keto is good for somebody? I know it's good for inflammation and, you know, people say that it's good for, um, PCOS, but I'd love to hear all your, your take on that. Absolutely. So I think first of all, off the bat, I think every human being on earth can benefit from fat adaptation. The one thing that humans lack, and I think that this is something that is primary. It is something that is innate in us. Um, I think that every human should take a season to be ketogenic. They should learn how to metabolize fat and they should have seasons of it at the bare minimum. They should be once or twice a year going into more of a ketogenic diet, not a ketogenic state, not in ketosis, which is a Mm -hmm. whole thing. You're not in ketosis 24 seven. I don't care how low your curves are. That's another conversation. Uh, or we can go down the rabbit hole in a second, but, um, I definitely think at the minimum, at the very minimum in seasons, you should have a low carb diet, high fat diet and give your body time to, you know, enjoy that because your body does enjoy it. Our brains enjoy it. Our hearts prefer ketones as a fuel source, all that. In my personal opinion, I think that everybody can do a ketogenic diet, but on the caveat that it's about taking what the ketogenic diet is and molding it to your needs. So like I... I haven't worked with a client that needed to go off keto, but I do have clients that have zero carbs and I have clients that have up to 50 or 60 carbs. Some of them cycle carbs, you know, they'll have days where they eat 120 grams and then they'll have days where they don't eat any. Um, And so helping them figure out which one of those methods is best for them is also part of my education, right? The Nutritional Therapy Association, where I got my nutritional therapy certification, is very big on what's called bio-individuality. And so being able, and they're very paleocentric in nature. So being able to take the ketogenic lens and go, okay, this is this is the blueprint. Instead of trying to make people fit in the blueprint, how can I make the blueprint fit on people? Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's when you it's when that light bulb went off, I was like, okay, we can really we can have some fun with this because people are like, oh, I only have to eat steak and butter. And I'm like, no, actually. Some of y'all need to have sweet potato with your steak mm-hmm. and butter, and you're actually going to benefit from it. You'll see better blood sugar. You'll see better ketones. You'll be saving all that jazz. Um, so I definitely, when it comes to keto and who needs it, I think everybody can enjoy a, 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 and thrive on a ketogenic diet uh, that's catered towards their needs, right? A well-formulated ketogenic diet, so to speak. Um, in terms of hormones, let's think of a couple things. Today, it's a little bit different because a lot of – I'm so glad when I walk in the store, I see keto everywhere. It lets me know that it's not a fad. You know, I knew it wasn't a fad diet, but it's like, yeah, okay. People are like, oh, it's a fad diet. I'm like, no, it's like freaking everywhere. Like, where can you not look yeah. and see that word? <laughs> but with that pro comes a con. A lot of companies 
like the net carb thing is a fixation. And so a lot of those companies will have keto friendly with low net carbs, but the ingredients are trash. Like there's so many keto products. I'd rather you eat a cup of rice than eat that bag of food. Like it's absolutely Mm -hmm. raunchy. Um, That bag of food has a higher chance of giving you cancer than that rice will ever of giving you diabetes. I absolutely guarantee it. Um, And so there is a con of like really bad made products. Um, And so I think that's a con, but you know, before the whole, like, I don't like calling it dirty keto because I don't want people to feel like I'm, because people really, some people, if they're just their goal is weight loss, they actually do really, some people do good on that more dirty keto. So I really call it like relaxed keto, like just like, okay, as long as I'm within ketogenic macros, who cares? I can eat whatever. Uh, or as long as I'm in ketosis or, you know, whatever. They, they make the rules really bare. Um, while that's pretty popular right now, and I don't, I think a lot of people are not successful with keto because of that. I think there are people that are good with it, but a lot of people are not good with it and they don't understand why. And so they just say keto is not for me, but it's not that it's not for you. It's the way you're doing it. It's the way that the culture and society have have money mongered this, what used to be a really whole food based diet to make a profit. And now because you have your cookies available, now it's easy. Now it's easy to be keto, but it's not working for you because the cookies are still the problem. Even the keto cookies. Um, And I think though, when we go back to a whole food ketogenic diet, right? Like when we see people heal from PCOS or we hear people heal from hypogonadism or, you know, Crohn's or SIBO or IBS or, you know, uh, uh, type 2 diabetes or depression or body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my thesis paper when I graduated was all about body dysmorphia really? and how the ketogenic diet impacts gut health. Oh, yeah. Like I, that's one of my most fascinating subjects yeah. ever uh, because there's a direct correlation between your gut, depression, anxiety, or body dysmorphia. Whoa. Absolutely. There's a direct connection. We can talk yeah. about that. Um, but, uh, so why though, why is a whole food ketogenic diet help with those things? I think for starters, you, you eliminate seed oils. I don't think that omega-6 is a bad fat, right? It's actually in balance, a really good fat. It's an anti, it turns into an anti-inflammatory mechanism. Um, it has functions in the body. I think though that the canola oil, the, the, all those things, they do have way too much of it. And I think that it's also very rancid and oxidized and causes a lot of cellular damage in your body. And so I think for that reason, those things can cause autoimmune flare-ups. They can cause cellular issues. Like there's something called cellular hypothyroidism where on blood, your thyroid looks fine, but your cells are so inflamed that things can't pass through. And so your, your Krebs cycle doesn't function well, um, which can be for many reasons. It can be your T3. It can be your, um, I can't think of the other molecule right now, but, um, all these issues, right, are, are, are at a cellular level, not necessarily at a blood lipid, you know, right. level. But you're still um, having symptoms, be... but like on paper, your doctor's like, oh, no, you're normal. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> like Exactly. No, exactly. Um, and so I think a whole food ketogenic diet is going to eliminate those completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great win. I think that it's going to eliminate refined and processed hyperpalatable sugars yep. that happen to come with fats, too. Cause I have another stick on that. Like the idea of when people say, Oh, carbs are bad. I'm like, well, a funnel cake isn't just carbs, but like you know, a, li- little tiny <laughs> side tangent. Um, cause I, I want you to keep going, but like what you said earlier with the food choices, 
that does matter. And I hate when I hear people Mm -hmm. say calories in, calories out. Like if you're working on health and body composition, maybe is like you're trying to like lose fat, gain muscle, then absolutely like the food choices, like, like it doesn't matter if you eat, like some people say you can eat McDonald's, doesn't matter. Like, no, I just, I really don't believe in that. But anyways, keep going. No, 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 I agree. I agree. Um, And so, yeah, like, and then the ketogenic diet, again, it removes those processed, refined, hyperpalatable foods that are loaded with both refined, condensed, unnatural, hyperpalatable sugars, and then the rancid seed oils we just talked about. So the whole food ketogenic diet eliminates that as well. Um, And then the whole idea of like plants and oxalates and lectins, um, while I do have some nuance on that, I do think that you know, you cut back on a lot more of your protein and your overall nutrients starts to come from animal-based proteins and meats. And I think that that is extremely beneficial. So I think for those three things, so the removal of seed oils, the removal of refined and processed carbohydrates, and then the removal of, uh, or the addition of increased consumption of animal proteins and animal Mm -hmm. fats. I think those three reasons are why we see such a strong impact when it comes to our bodies hormonally on a ketogenic diet. Yeah. And I will speak from my personal experience. I was, so I was vegan for like eight years and, um, just recently, like a month and a half ago, I started eating fish again. And Mm -hmm. the reason why is because Everybody kept telling me the same thing. You know, yes, veggies are are um, healthy. Yes, being vegan could be healthy for you. But I the the amount of inflammation that I was experiencing, and I I noticed that right when I started eating fish, my carb levels just went down. Just you know, automatically because I've been tracking in mm-hmm. my fitness pal, and I was like, wow, I do feel better on a keto diet. I do feel better at low carb. So now I've kind of like realized my carb threshold and tolerance. Um, And I'm still, you know, I'm working on trying new things. And right now it's pretty much just salmon. But um, even just just (laughs) adding that like and taking out, like you said, the lectins, because I have a lot of food sensitivities and I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Hashimoto's, PCOS, we're like really sensitive to a lot of things. And a lot of those foods are claimed as healthy foods um, that I'm allergic to. So, and I don't, when I got that um, test result, I was like, wow, I'm eating literally all these things every day. So no wonder I feel like shit. Um, So yeah, just lowering the amount of nightshades and the lectins, but finding your own, like you don't have to just not eat any vegetables. Like you just have to find those vegetables that work for you. So yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I had I have a I have a program I just released because I, I follow what's called a Paleolithic ketogenic diet, which is what all my clients follow, which we can get into that too. But on it, I talk about plants and the appendices. And um, you know, one thing I say is like, listen, like, yes, oxalates and lectins and fi- yes, these things are real, right? Well, what are they? Then for anybody who doesn't know, these are can you our- explain? what that is yeah so oxalates are are similar to lectins in the fact that they're defense chemicals that bind to nutrients and can inflame our guts inflame our bodies uh and they come from plants because and the reason why the plants have these is because they didn't develop claws to defend themselves like other prey did so they had to develop other things that when a predator would eat them they would go oh i don't feel good i'm not going to eat that plant right which makes sense but the question that i raise in that book and that program is i go but if 
you knew that you could kill the saber-toothed tiger even though somebody else couldn't and y'all were hungry, would you not kill it because it had claws? No, you'd find a way to eat it. Some some men could overcome the challenge. Some men could not. Plants are no different. Some people can eat. I can eat. I can eat tons of spinach, and nothing happens right. to me. I have friends. They take one cup of spinach, and their guts are yeah, wrecked. Yeah. Right. Um, I have friends that can eat a bowl of kale salad, and they're great. I have a bite of kale, and I am wrecked. Wow. Right. So it's about knowing the symptoms. Like, what are the symptoms of of oxalates and lectins and if you're sensitive to those in those certain foods right there's uh anky joints mm-hmm. uh moods you know inflammation bloat digestive issues diarrhea uh rashes on your skin things like that if those things are happening then that that one plant food is not for you and you know what and if you get to a point where you're only eating like spinach tomatoes and steak actually it doesn't sound like a bad diet <laughs> but uh, to some people, it sounds restrictive, but it's like, okay, but like, are you willing to accept the consequences of these other foods or do you want to feel your best? And, you know, so I, yeah, I agree with you. Plants aren't necessarily bad. They do have defense chemicals, but the deer that I hunt also has antlers and it could charge at me if it wanted to. So it's really about like, you know, are you willing to eat that food, whatever it is, you know, a plant or an animal, and then does it impact you negatively? And if it doesn't and you can thrive on it, then you're welcome to eat it. Right, right. Yeah, I, yeah, and a lot of fear can come with this because a lot of people with eating disorders, right, I mean, if you are dealing with food sensitivities and all these things, then you can kind of get caught up in that and be like, whoa, I'm like afraid of, I'm afraid of eating this and I'm afraid of eating that. And I, I always just say like, just get the food sensitivities test just so you can, you can see in front of you okay, what's in my head and what's actually proof, okay, I am reacting to this. I remember in the summer, I had um, an eating disorder specialist on my podcast. And then we were talking like after the the episode, I was telling her all my symptoms, like you just said, joint pain, stiffness, inflammation, all everything. And she said, it sounds like oxalates. Are are, Are you eating a lot of almond milk, almonds, spinach? I said, yes, every day. So it really, I mean, it's crazy, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a reality, you know, and it's about figuring out what works for you and what doesn't. And I think that's the thing too, is like one of the things I think that the, I have so many, what really irks me here is that I have so many people that try to educate people in this space and they've never had an eating disorder. It really irks me, but there's people that people listen to, not because they're valid, they're valid in what they're saying, but because what they're saying is justifying their habits, whether they want to accept that or not. Right. Like, People are like, oh, eat everything. Uh, someone that has food freedom should be able to eat everything in moderation and feel great. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, Zach, you, you know, I, I don't know anybody named Zach. I'm just using an example. <laughs> My response is like, okay, Zach, uh, have you even had bulimia, anorexia, or a binge eating disorder? Uh, no. Okay. Then you can't tell me what food empowerment no. is. Like, one, back off. But the problem is that when they say that, Somebody that wants to be able to have the cupcake, wants to be able to have that plant or whatever goes, that makes sense. That's food freedom. (laughs) But you're just justifying your habits. Uh, Real food, and this is my opinion, and I come at this with every client from this, real food freedom is your ability to choose and be confident in your choice of what you eat and don't eat. 
my food freedom doesn't come from the fact that I can have a cupcake. My food freedom comes from the fact that I choose not to because it's not what best is not best right. for me. Or the person right next to me chooses to have it because he's at a birthday party and he wants to and he moves on with right. his life. Both of us are just as empowered in our decision. Right. And so it's like, you know, you're not more restrictive than you're not more restricted or more restrictive than somebody else because you realize you can't have almonds every day because it irritates. Yeah, you, I mean, right? I it's, could, I not, could have had a pity party and said, "Oh my God, my body can't, you know, handle all these like health foods. Like, what the fuck? Like, my body doesn't work." And blah blah blah. And like, it's easy to go down that road, but like, food freedom. You don't have to look at it as, oh, I can't have this thing. It's like, well, do I want to feel good or do I want to wake up feeling like shit? Yeah, and exactly. Like, like, you don't have to look at it as restriction. I mean, the first week that I got those test results and said, oh, wow, I can't have all these things. My head was spinning. I was going through all my cabinets. I was, I was going crazy. And then I had to sit myself down and be like, look, this is good. Like, this is information. And instead of me having a pity party and saying, I can't have anything anymore and like crying about it. I had to really change my habits and focus on, okay, what can I have? Like, what can I have then? Like, and be creative. Yeah. Restriction, restriction versus empowerment is a matter of perspective, not food choice. Yeah, totally. I'd love to shift into that is mindset. You said body dysmorphia and the gut. I'd love to kind of get into that. Great. Yeah, sure. For sure. Okay. So what we know is that body dysmorphic disorder, which is basically when you have a distorted view of yourself. And what I mean by that is not like in your head, you go, Oh, I'm fat. Ha ha ha. But like, when you look in the mirror, like you see, like, it's really hard to explain. It's not like when I look in the no, mirror, I, I see a 300 pound person. I have body person. dysmorphia. So that's why I'm super okay. into this. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, Well, I'm just explaining to everybody listening too. So they yes, know what's totally. going on. Like, Explain. Yeah, it's not like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I'm obese, right? It's when I look in the mirror, like I fixate on the fact that I have fat under my belly button. And all of a sudden, everything else kind of gets blurry and watered out. And like, I don't notice anything else anymore. I just see the fat. And so I'm fat. And I get hyper fixated. And I start to distort my body and go, oh, you know, like literally, I'll look at something, I'll fixate on some part of my body I don't like. And then five minutes later, my abs don't look as lean as they did when I woke up this morning. And they're just, they're the same, but it's like, I'm fixating on that negative thing. Um, and how you also know is like, when you're, you're like, you're tiniest, someone takes a photo of you, and then you see it when you're back at a normal weight, like when you're like bodybuilding or something, and you go, holy crap, I was so lean. But at the moment, you felt you thought you were so overweight. So like, that's body dysmorphic disorder. And what we know clinically is that a great way to treat body dysmorphic disorder uh, when it comes med medicinally is through SSRIs, which are serotonin dumping agents. So what does that tell us about this uh, a mental illness? It tells us that it's a serotonin-based mental illness, right? Have you ever gone all day long without drinking water and you get to the end of the day and you're like, how am I surviving right now? I'm really excited to be partnering up with Drink Everly. Everly's mixes are available in flavors you'll love and three unique lines to meet all your hydration needs, hydration, energy, and belly health. Everly sugar-free drink mix powders combine all the flavor and sweetness you're looking for without any of the bad stuff. They do not have any artificial ingredients, and it's sweetened with a blend of organic stevia and erythritol. 
I've been noticing recently how important hydration is because especially since I'm healing some hormonal stuff and some autoimmune stuff, just really honing in on my hydration has helped my inflammation and my mental health and just my overall well-being. Drink Everly is super easy to travel with. They make these little pouches with the flavors in them. It makes 30 servings per pouch, so you can just literally put it in your bag. You can put a little bit in a water bottle or a glass of water, shake it up, and it's really awesome. The hydration line has electrolytes in it. The energy line has electrolytes and natural caffeine and six B vitamins. And the Belly Health line has electrolytes and probiotics. So these are really important to have, especially if you're working out, if you're sweating, if you like the sauna like me. I was using the sauna quite a bit and I realized that I was dehydrated to the point where it was actually causing me to feel swollen and not feel my best. And I noticed that once I started incorporating Drink Everly's um pouches and just putting a little bit in my water, it really makes all the difference. So visit drinkeverly.com to find your flavor and you can use the code THEVIBE15 for 15% off of your first order at their website. You can also check them out on Instagram, drinkeverly is their Instagram handle. So you can go to their website at drinkeverly.com, use the code THEVIBE15 T-H-E-V-I-B-E-15 for 15% off of your first order. So go to drinkeverly.com and let's get you hydrated. So I like to call, and we know two others that are really hot that are that as well, anxiety and depression. All of those can be treated with antidepressants or SSRIs, right? All of them. So I like to call those three the ugly cousins. Like they're all three of them are, are interconnected. I always... If, if it really depends on the person and their trauma in life and experience with life to figure out which one's going to manifest. But if we have three people here from completely different pasts that all have low serotonin levels, all of them might develop a different form of that, which, you know, one might have depression, one might have body dysmorphia, one have, might have anxiety. And so we know the best way to treat these are is with serotonin dumping agents. Why? Because that means their serotonin is low. They need better serotonin. Okay. Well, how do we produce serotonin naturally? First place is the gut. So people go back and forth on this all the time. 80 to 90% of your serotonin is in your gut. 80 to 90%. 10 to 20% is in your brain. So it all starts with the gut, right? Digestion is a north to south process. What you eat is what you digest, which is what you absorb is what gets in your system. Okay. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, what does gut serotonin, what's the role it plays? It's an anti-inflammatory. It's an inflammation regulator, right? And one thing that needs inflammation to be at a certain level to let proper things pass through is your blood-brain barrier. And so what we see is that low serotonin in the gut leads to low serotonin in the brain just because of the mechanisms. But not only that, but also if you don't have the nutrients in the vital things to make gut serotonin. You don't have the vital things to make brain serotonin. So what do you need to make gut serotonin? Great question. First thing you need is spore producing bacteria. Uh, a really big popular one is L. bacillus. It's found heavily in raw cheeses, raw dairy, sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, 
uh, yogurt. Uh, it's a big one. They did a study and they removed the spore producing bacteria from mice and their gut serotonin tanked 80%. 80% like almost all their gut serotonin was gone when they removed the spore producing bacteria from the gut wow. like it is vital um in fact there's this is a correlation this is a hypothesis i there's no study done on this but it's something i hypothesize you can look at the intake of raw dairy going down in america and you can see the rise of anxiety disorder like it's like it's like it's like an x it's crazy yeah. is that why um, a lot of people say if you're going to you know, consume dairy, try to get it raw. Like if you can, because it's just correct. Because a lot of people that have lactose intolerance, generally the reason they have that is because the way that we process milk, the bacteria that helps your body digest that lactose is taken out. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times if people have raw dairy, they, most people that are lactose intolerant, if they drink raw dairy, they have no issues. That's not everybody. Some people, you know, depending on genetics and all that might still have a sensitivity to it, but more often than not from the stories I've heard, they have raw dairy in their body. Interesting. Fine. So there's definitely a back. Yeah. There's definitely a bacteria thing. So the L back, I don't, I can't <laughs> pronounce that, but if somebody can't drink milk, like I, I actually am, I can't drink milk. Can you, uh-huh. that come that if, if you get like a good probiotic, that's usually in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good probiotic or, or uh, sauerkraut is the number oh, one source. I love source. sauerkraut. Yeah, so sauerkraut and kimchi, okay, cool. big boys. Uh, yeah, sauerkraut's a great one. So I try to get in two to three servings of fermented or cultured foods every week. Uh, I'm, I've been on a yogurt kick lately, but every now and then I'll get on a sauerkraut kick and I'll have like a cup of it yeah, every I, day. It, like a week some people, straight. I mean, you have to like have an acquired taste, but I really like it. So Yeah, it's really good with ground beef. Sauerkraut and ground beef is like a power Interesting. meal. <laughs> um. Okay, so you need spore-producing bacteria. The second thing you need is tryptophan. Tryptophan is probably the most important one because it's it's one that that and niacin are needed for both gut and brain serotonin. So those two are really important. Um, meat. L-tryptophan is meat, right? That's why it's important to get complete amino acid profiles. Uh, which are found meat. There's not a lot of complete proteins in plant food. That's why meat is so bad. That's why it can make us, that's why it makes us feel better. Okay. It's also why it makes us sleep better too. Uh, because L-tryptophan is not just the precursor for serotonin. It's also the precursor for melatonin. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, it, yeah. It metabolites into both. Um, and so getting in enough L-tryptophan, so eating enough animal meats is, that's why I said sauerkraut and ground beef is a power meal for people that have like serotonin issues because of that, Literally, it has everything that you can get from food to help with serotonin levels outside of you have cortisol issues, but that's another conversation. Or it's not another conversation. We can add on yeah. later. Uh, but yeah, so like animal-based proteins are a great way to get that in. Um, and then niacin as well, you know, nutrient-dense foods, animal meats. The next thing is vitamin D. Vitamin D is because spore-producing bacteria can't go into the brain because you can't have bacteria in the brain. So brain serotonin, that's where they're different. Brain serotonin needs both tryptophan and niacin, but instead of spore-producing bacteria, it needs vitamin D, right? So sunlight. Mm -hmm. If you're not in sunlight, you need to figure out how much you need to be taking in IUs. You need to supplement with it. Um, So I always tell people, you really want a brain buster, get a plate of ground beef, sauerkraut, and then go sit in the sun and eat it with your shirt (laughs) off. That's a brain buster meal right there. That's like an ultimate biohack right there. 
an ultimate vibe, and then you just need a red light, and you need to sit in a cold plunge while you do it. Just like layer that bad. <laughs> and then boy. just watch your neighbors be like, "Hey, yeah, hey, you want some sauerkraut?" <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm vibing. Is, is is fish? Um, like if I can't, I I don't think I can eat beef. It's just been so many years. Is fish also a good enough kind of choice? Okay, cool. Absolutely, yeah. Any any animal based, okay, cool. yeah. Yeah, fish is great. Yeah, sam- I think salmon's great. Cod, uh, tuna, swordfish, yeah, whatever. Cool. Yeah, yeah, fish is great. Um, it's just making sure you get in enough. You should be getting in at least 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8 grams per pound of lean body mass of protein a day is a good goal, which is actually isn't a lot. Or you can do 1.2 grams per kilogram if you want to do it that way. Okay. I don't know if you do pound or um, I usually <laughs> – I mean, I, so I'm kind of like intuitive with the protein, but I'm trying to like eat more. I'm trying to increase my protein more and more and keep my protein and my fat high because I know that's good for hormonal health and everything. But, um, so yeah, so gut, you said vitamin D. Um, so I have a question, like, Uh how does that happen? Like, in the in the mind when you say okay i woke up feeling okay i looked at my abs they looked good then i focused on the fat on my stomach or the fat on my thighs and now all of a sudden i feel like my whole body's fat how the fuck does that happen i don't know we don't really know actually it's actually a great question we really the the process in which that happens is so complex because you got to think like you have so you have your pituitary gland that is speaking to your HIPAA axis and your HPG axis, which is like your so you have HPA, which is your hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenals, which is your stress hormone axis, and you have your hypothalamus, pituitary, and gonads, which is your sex hormone axis. Now these things are always in communication. And something else that's going on is serotonin and dopamine, which are your metabolites and your hormones. These things speak to your conscious thoughts right? In a way that I don't think we fully comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, honestly, I don't know. I, all I know is that I understand, this is what I understand, that serotonin and dopamine levels are physical things that we can measure that somehow in a very complex way in our brain translate to mental thought and conscious identity, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Like when people say that, like when some people go like, well, I don't know if humans have souls. I'm like, yo, we got something that's deeper than biology. Cause like, we can't even track this. Yeah. Like it, it's crazy. There's a depth to human consciousness that we just don't have a measuring stick for. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like the more you talk about this and educating ourselves about um, how the, the gut has so much communication with the brain when it comes to eating disorders and how we see ourselves, it's like that's what they should be teaching um, people who are inpatient for anorexia or bulimia to empower them. And I know that some like mental health hospitals do this. Like they, I know McLean does this and they, they have like a really awesome program where they educate the people and they teach them all about this stuff. Um, Like the science of it so that they can be like, okay, no, actually this is what's going on. And this is like physical and this is, this is just mental. And if, if they taught me that an inpatient, when I was inpatient in high school, right, if they taught us that, then maybe I would have left with more skills on how to be okay with gaining weight and how to be okay with the changing body. And things obviously have 
hopefully changed because it's been like 15 years but yeah you know yeah no it is it is jacked up um i mean as far i mean as far as i know it hasn't gotten any better but i hope I, i'm with you i hope it's gotten better i i do like i question like 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 me and ashley we we have a my wife and me, i we have a, a one-year-old toddler and Haley and i really debate putting her in public school just for things like little things like that i'm just like I don't want her to grow up with the ma- like the mainstream health ideals is what sabotaged my life. Like I don't want that for my yeah. daughter. Even if that means that I teach her the groundwork and then when she's in high school, she wants to go to public school, she can at that point. Like at least I can teach her a foundation that makes sense cuz what they teach is like it just it leads people down spiral holes of hell. I agree. And it's not it's not it's not fun. Yeah, your daughter is <laughs> super cute. I've seen her in your stories and Aww, yeah, thanks. she's adorable. And I think I mean it's I feel like having a daughter is not to not to genderize anything, but I mean, I'm speaking from my personal experience and school and dance and all that that helped me develop an eating disorder, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it really does come down to that. But um, no, it does. I yeah, I'd love to. I, I know we're getting down to the hour, but I'd love to invite you again on the podcast at some point so we can talk more about like, um, you know, the, the mental aspect of stuff and like what you your thesis paper you I mean there's so many things we could get into I just don't want to take too much of your time um and I'd love to kind of just tell the the listeners and the followers if they'd like to work with you because I mean you bring like such a fresh aspect and fresh um perspective to all this like from nutrition to the mind to keto to having like a powerful masculine energy. I feel like that's really needed in, in the eating disorder space. So if anybody wants to work with you, where can they find you? I appreciate that. Uh, so you can, the keto road.com. Um, if you want to get, you can go there. It's me and three other coaches. I have a, um, a female that has lost over 200 pounds and kept it off. Miss Amy, she's an amazing woman. Uh, Coach Mike, he's lost 300 pounds twice and kept it off this time around. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then I have one that had um, gut issues. He's a gut specialist. And then me. So, and I, I have to, you know, they're my team. So I got to, I got to pop them up. Um, you can check them out. If you want to get more specific and work directly with me, oh, I hope you do. Uh, you can go to thekiro.com, go to True Nutrition Coaching and click on my name, or you can go to thekiro.com slash coach dash John dash programs. That'll pop up. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the keto road. You can find me on TikTok at primal underscore metabolism. Um, that's my TikTok because I have a PDF program, which you can also get on my website. I'm called primal metabolism. And it's that paleolithic ketogenic diet that I I referenced to earlier. Um, and then primal habits, sun grounding meditation. Yeah. I like your Instagram a lot. Um, you, you. you posted something the other day that was kind of funny. You were like, okay, like you're shopping for sardines and it's like in soybean oil. It's like, why? Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. I was like sardines with a side of cancer. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and that's actually something that I'm working my courage up to start eating because everybody's telling me to start eating sardines. So. Dude, <laughs> telling you. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I've, I've no, go ahead, so, go ahead. And then the last one is performance gains. So 
I did this on purpose, but I'm finding I'm having a hard time shouting it out. So it's performance without the A. It's misspelled on purpose to remind you that you can always perform better. There's no such thing as perfection on this earth. You might as well strive for your best. So performance gains with a Z, not an S. I'll make sure I put um, it all in the show notes so people yeah. can click. I have, a, I have a YouTube channel and I have an Instagram. That's my supplement company. So I have supplements coming out oh, that are like real awesome. whole food based. And yeah, I'll have to send you yeah. a model. Uh, I can do that. Um and so, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Okay, that's sardines. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can't, right. I, it's hard for me to just be like, okay, I'm going to get these sardines and I'm going to eat this shit. It's like, it, it, I don't know. You can't do, you You can't do cheese, I right? I can't do cheese or dairy. Um, right right now okay. I'm mainly plant-based-ish, but I am doing. Is, is it, it's like, and, 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 and forgive me, but I'm just, just so I can help guide you. Is it? Like a lot more like just like mindfulness or like your stomach can't. My stomach can't handle it. And I also just, I don't want to eat cheese. So I, you know, yeah. Cool. No, respect. Yeah. Okay. I got you. There is a brand. I can't remember if it is fed in it or not. I don't know. You can you check, check the can before you open it. Uh, it's called King Oscar. They have wild caught sardines. They're really good. There's a Mediterranean one that has Italian Mediterranean seasonings with olives in the olive oil submerging in the fish. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it has feta or not because Mediterranean. Yeah. That's why I'm yeah. curious. Just check the back can. If it doesn't, dude, open that up. Some salt, smash <laughs> it, dude. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, so I have it. I have to find it and send it to you if I can find it. So I have a, I have an Instagram story of the first time I had sardines. It was like it was like two and a half, three years ago, and I was I've been keto for a while. And someone was like, "Dude, sardines, man, skin on bones, calcium, vitamin D, like it's it's a power food." And I'm like, "All right, fine." I was so scared to try it because I was always told like you know sardines they they smell so bad you could never get rid of the smell they taste horrid whatever. And I remember opening up that can and putting some salt and taking a bite. And I immediately pulled out my phone. I was so mad, like actually mad. I was like, y'all been lying to me my whole life. These things are so good. I feel so stupid for ha- have not had these wow. sooner. Like sardines are a clutch food. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep hearing it everywhere. And there's even this 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 hilarious dude on, it, on a YouTube. I forget what his YouTube channel is, but it's literally all about canned fish. And he's just eating canned fish and like giving like a review on it. And I watched a video of him eating sardines and he's just hilarious. He's like, look, I get it. I get why you don't want to eat the sardines. Let's just eat them together and we'll make everything go away. We'll make all the weirdness go away. And it's just like, it's so good. Because obviously a bunch of people are feeling like this. One thing you could do too is you could take them out. All right. They don't come just in cans. There's like jars too. Mm Kind of like jar, like glass jars. And those are those look a little bit more appetizing because you can actually see the fish. It's not like you're opening up a prying a can open. You're like, oh, and they're just fish. like there, yeah. They're just there, but it's in the can. You can see it. Um, take out like five or six, chop them up, and kind of make like almost like a tuna salad, but with sardines, and then put it over a salad and have like a tuna salad, or even mix it with some tuna to help kind of you know okay. break it in, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know when I, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. It's been brewing. Do it's it. just yeah. So when I do it, I'll you can do this. I believe yeah, in you. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. But um, yeah, thank you know. so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I've learned so much from you. I have like all these notes and um, I'm sure everybody really enjoyed it. So thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat again. Yeah.